You're listening to the Gospel Project for Students Weekly Leader Training, helping you lead your students in their journey through the storyline of Scripture. Hey, thanks for joining us for the Weekly Leader Training for the Gospel Project for Students. I'm Drew Dixon. I'm one of the team leaders at LifeWay Students. And today we're discussing Unit 31, Session 3, and it's titled, The Church is Sent to Proclaim Jesus. We're going to be looking at Hebrew, the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, chapter 8, chapter 10, various passages in those three chapters of Hebrews, and uh, it's an exciting session. Our main point this week is this, it's the redemption anticipated by the Old Covenant is fully experienced in Jesus. Um, let's unpack that a little bit, because for some of your leaders, it's going to be a mouthful. Um, the main point here is that the redemption the Old Testament promises is fulfilled in Christ. He is the fulfillment of God's plan for the world and for people. People in particular, right? That's what the Old Covenant was about. It's about how do we relate. And, and a covenant, by the way, is just an agreement between two people. But when we talk about covenants with God, they're, they're a bigger deal, right? Because we're talking about our human beings' relationship with the God who made them, the holy God of the universe. And one of the chief claims of the Bible is that you don't just go waltzing in willy-nilly to a, into a relationship with the holy God of the universe. Why? Because he's holy, he's set apart, and because we're broken and sinful. So something has to be done about our sin. And the Old Testament has a lot to say about this promise of someone coming to do something about what's broken and wrong with the world, and we see it in the earliest parts of the Bible, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, immediately um, God promised to crush the head of Satan, who was this one who tempted Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? To rebel against God. And then we see further pictures of that in um, God providing clothing for Adam and Eve. Skins of animals, which implies that for the first time, um, in God's good world, animals were killed as a means of sacrifice to cover Adam and Eve, um, to cover their sin. And so, in this passage, we're going to see how Jesus is the fulfillment of God's uh, plan to once and for all provide a sacrifice for sin. In fact, this is what uh, Hebrews ten eleven says, Every priest stands day after day, ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sin. This isn't to say that those Old Testament sacrifices were meaningless or unimportant. They were full of meaning and full of purpose, but they didn't actually account. They, they looked forward to a future day of redemption, a future day when sin would really be done away with and really be paid for, but they didn't provide the actual redemption themselves. They didn't actually provide the forgiveness we were looking for. They only looked forward to. Well, Jesus is the one that actually brings in that fulfillment and actually brings real forgiveness. So the writer of Hebrews says, But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Meaning the work of salvation, the work of redemption, the work of forgiving our sin has been completed. That's why he sat down at the right hand of God. It's this, this visible picture of God saying, it's done, it's completed, it's been taken care of. In verse 13, he is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he is perfected forever those who are sanctified. Um, and so this is really good news. Now there is forgiveness. Um, now there is a sacrifice for sin. Now we can step in with confidence into a relationship with the holy God 
who made us and made us, by the way, for a relationship with ourselves. This is a renewal of God's intention for human beings. God's intention for you and me was always for us to live in relationship with, him, with, him, with himself. And of course, we know sins messed that up. We've rebelled. We've chosen by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve were saying, um, no, I get to be in charge. No, I want to be the one that decides what's good and what's right. By looking to Jesus, we're saying, no, you're a king. I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust what you've done to make me able to have a relationship with you. So I want to point you to the essential doctrine for this week, one of our 99 essential doctrines, and it's that Christ is the great high priest. It's Christ as priest. As our great high priest, Jesus accomplishes the work of reconciling us to God, healing our relationship with God. He is the one whose perfect righteousness is presented to the Father for our justification. That's a mouthful, but what it means is we can now be declared righteous in God's sight, not because of what we've done, but because of who Jesus is and what he's done through his death and resurrection. He is the one who interceded for us before the Father. In other words, he stepped up before God and pled our case, and he was able to do that because he is perfect, he is righteous, he is not in sin, and he prays for us to remain faithful. How cool is that? That our Savior, our God, prays for us to stay the course of faith and to stay faithful to him. Um, I've experienced some answered prayers of you. Uh, You probably have. Imagine thinking about this. Imagine this. Jesus prays for you. You think God's going to answer his prayer? (laughs) I think so. I think he is. I think if we have truly trusted Jesus, we're going to remain faithful because God is going to remain faithful to us. Um, This isn't to say that we're not going to make mistakes, we're not going to sin, we're not going to mess up, but it's to say Jesus is committed to us, and that gives us confidence going So I just want to leave you with one of the hands questions on page 30. It says, in light of all that Jesus has done to save you, what can you do to live for him more? Um, A relationship with Jesus should actually empower us to a greater devotion to him, a deeper commitment to him. I think that sometimes we're tempted to think, oh, I'm saved by grace, so I'll just do whatever I want. I can live however I want. But that's not true. Paul said, um, should we go on sinning that grace may abound? By no means. You see, if we really understand the depth to which Jesus loves us and the depth to which he has expressed that love through his death on the cross, then that captures our hearts and our affections and should move us out into the world with a greater commitment to the gospel, a greater commitment to see more people pointed to Jesus, a greater commitment to encourage more people, to build more people up, um, to, to love and serve our families, our friends, our churches. Let's challenge our students to think of some practical ways they could do that this week for the glory of God and the good of the world. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for students. For more resources to help you guide your group through this session, visit gospelproject.com.